The following audio content was recorded at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit upc.org. Our mission with Side by Side is it's pretty small. We're not trying to cure cancer. It would be great if we could, but we can't. We're not trying to, you know, pay off the medical bills for the families that we serve. We're not putting kids on airplanes and flying them to Disneyland. What we do with Side by Side is pretty small. It's just relationships. That's what we offer. And we offer relationships to these families because being sick or having a kid that's sick is incredibly isolating. The families that we serve are super overwhelmed by a sense of loneliness. And it could be that they feel isolated because they've moved here from Alaska or Montana or Idaho, and they've done that so that they can be treated at Seattle Children's, and they've moved away from all of their friends and their family that would normally care for them. It could be that they're isolated because maybe their community at home really rallied around them when their kid first got sick, but as the weeks turned into months, that support maybe faded away, and now their friends are nowhere to be found, even though this family's journey is nowhere near finished. And maybe they're literally isolated. Maybe they have been sort of sequestered into their apartment because the risk of being in a room like this with so many germs is more than a child with no immune system can possibly bear. These families are experiencing all kinds of isolation. And most of all, it's the isolation that comes when you look at your life and you realize that you are living some of your worst and most difficult days. They feel afraid and they feel angry and they feel alone. So that's why we provide relationships. We provide traveling companions for that journey. We match families with a pair of volunteers, and those volunteers go every week, week in and week out, and spend time with kids. They go to ice cream, and they go to the zoo, and they go on adventures around Seattle. They listen. They laugh. They help remind that family that no matter how difficult their journey might be, they are never traveling it alone. That's what our volunteers do. And I think that that is pretty darn heroic. So I've been talking long enough about side-by-side that you're probably wondering, I thought this was about core groups. What's happening? Well, (laughs) have no fear. Um, Mostly it's just because when people give me a microphone, I kind of do what I want. So thank you, (laughs) Janie and Ryan. Uh, I'm talking about side-by-side because I believe that in a lot of ways, the things that that I get to see God doing, the things that we get to see God doing through the ministry of side-by-side, have a lot of parallels to the things that we see God doing in core groups, right? I think that uh, just in the same way that it's heroic for Russell Wilson and our side-by-side volunteers to be spending time every week with families who have kids in the hospital, I think that what you all are doing by being part of a core group and by letting yourself be known by a close group of friends, I think that that's a pretty life-changing and pretty heroic act unto itself. And you might think, really? All I do at core group is kind of hang out with my friends and talk, and sometimes we eat a bunch of pizza. That doesn't feel totally heroic. But the way that I see it is just like the families that Side by Side serves are facing this immense challenge of cancer, this threat of cancer, it seems to me that every single one of us in this room has some kind of threat in our life, some kind of cancer, some kind of challenge or unexpected obstacle that is threatening to take us down. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about how he came to give us abundant life. But he also says that there's this enemy One who comes, he says, to steal and kill and destroy that life. So that means that in all of our lives, there's something threatening, this abundant life, this gift that Jesus has to offer us. There's a sickness, a brokenness, an insecurity. Maybe it's a well-kept secret. No one gets to move through life without facing something like this. Maybe it's something that's happened to us. Maybe it's something that we've chosen. 
a disappointment, a wound, maybe it's an addiction, something that's eating you up on the inside. So we all have these issues, these cancers that we're struggling with us, and we wonder, what's the cure? Well, it's not chemotherapy. It's not some sort of homeopathic diet. The cure is relationships. The cure is community, right? We are healed of these cancers within when we get to experience the love and the grace of Jesus Christ through his gift of community. So later in John's gospel, we read about this conversation that Jesus has with some of his closest friends, his disciples, just before he was crucified. And this was one of those really big, heavy, serious conversations, lots of truth bombs getting dropped all over the place, lots of emotion, so dramatic. And uh, it's because Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for the fact that soon he was going to be killed, soon he would not be with them anymore. And he was trying to tell them that when he was gone, he would be sending this Holy Spirit And that the Holy Spirit would continue to communicate all sorts of truth about who God is after he was gone. And then he talked about relationships. He told them that even when he was no longer around to sort of live out for people what God's love looks like, he said that people that followed him would actually be showing the world what the love of God looks like through their relationships with one another. That every time people interacted in a way that honored Jesus, that would show the world something about who God is. And he said that this would be true not only for the disciples in that room, but for anybody that heard their message and believed it, right? And then the craziest thing is that he says this prayer, and it's a prayer for all of those believers that follow and believe what it was that the disciples taught. And if you think about it, that includes us. So this is a part of scripture where Jesus himself is praying for us in this room, every single one of you, by name, Jesus prayed for us. And this is, Janie, you can put the words up on the screen. This is from John chapter 16. He says this, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you were in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And if you got lost in all of the unbelievable amount of personal pronouns in that particular (laughs) passage of scripture, let me help you by saying that the bottom line of what Jesus was trying to communicate is that in the same way that Jesus loves us, we get to love each other. And when we love each other with the love that Jesus has loved us with, that wasn't a very grammatical sentence, excuse me, (laughs) uh, that basically that shows the world something about what, what God's love looks like. So being part of a core group, what you're doing is placing yourself in relationship. You're making the choice to travel this difficult journey of life with a small group of people, people that can care for you and remind you of what's true and remind you that you're not alone. And when you do that, when you allow people to enter into your life, you all become a living example of the presence of Jesus, who is called Emmanuel, God with us. And that's for yourself, that's for each other, and that's for this whole world. Everyone in the U District, everyone in Seattle, when they see the way that you're interacting with each other, they get to taste and see the love of Jesus. And that's exciting, and it's heroic. But what makes it work? And I think that's a good question because 
the real relationships that Jesus is praying for, those are deeper relationships than just, you know, someone that you know in class or someone that you know who lives down the hall. And I would actually say that often they're, they're a little bit deeper than um, what we do when we kind of go through the motions of being in a small group. It requires a little bit more from us, these real relationships, than just getting together in a room and catching up on life and eating some pizza together. It's more than just showing up. And you know, when we match volunteers with families through Side by Side, we know that there's a few essential things that need to be in place to make those relationships work. We know that... Uh, there's a lot of really important elements that need to happen for those relationships to really reflect something of the truth of who Jesus is. So I want to leave you with four essentials. These are four essential things for cultivating real relationships that reflect the love of Jesus Christ. Four essentials that you can practice with each other in your small group uh, as you continue to connect with each other and invest with one another. These are similar things that we talk about in the side-by-side world all the time. So the first essential that I want to talk to you about is an open door. It's vulnerability. It's what these ladies were talking about. Uh, The relationships in your core group are only going to work if you open the door and let people in. The families that we serve with side-by-side are overwhelmed, obviously. Their guard is up. They have a million things that they're worried about that feel a lot more urgent than having volunteers come and hang out. They're trying to make the right decisions about what treatment their kids should have. They're worried about all these medical bills. They're caring for the siblings of the sick child, trying to make sure that kid doesn't get fallen through the cracks. Sometimes it's hard for these families to make any space at all for real relationships outside of their immediate nucleus. And we're always really thrilled when a family opens the door and says, yes, I need some help. I need some support. We love that because it gives us an opportunity to step in and participate. Even though it's never easy for these families, they always struggle to kind of get to that point of letting us in. And even though it's different, I think in a similar way, it can be really hard for college students to make space for real relationships. There's a lot to that. I mean, you're all living in really close quarters, but at the same time, I know that you know that even though you're all together a lot of the time, it's really hard to, be, to build intimate, real relationships, right? I think that part of it is because so much of our interactions with each other happen through screens these days, and that can feel pretty lonely. Plus, you guys have a lot going on. You have schoolwork, you have jobs, you have internships, you have questions about the future, you have family issues all over the place. It's a lot of heavy lifting in one pretty intense season of life. And the truth is that we're not meant to do it by ourselves. We're created for community. We're created for relationships. We need one another, not just on a screen, but in the flesh. So part of being in a core group is realizing week after week that you need others and that others need you. It's showing up week after week and deciding to open that door, to let yourself be known, to really share your life with others and let them carry you, let them help you, let them speak into your life. And maybe you've been meeting with your group all year, and maybe you still haven't gotten much beyond the kind of prayer requests of, pray for my Aunt Nancy who has the flu, or pray for my Spanish quiz next Tuesday, or whatever else kind of ankle-deep, surfacey, frankly, nonsense that you can come up with to avoid getting real with each other. And that stuff's not the real stuff. That stuff's not nothing, but that stuff is not the real stuff. So if you're no longer interested in that kind of shallow talk, if it doesn't anymore feel worthwhile to spend your time on the surface, if you're ready for real relationships, open the door. Open the door and share. Take the risk, like these ladies were talking about, of being vulnerable. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard just like this, where one person in the group decides to take a risk risk and be honest, 
And that is scary and it's super uncomfortable. But what it does, it, it, it gives everybody else in the group permission to do the same thing. And that's when things get real. I've been part of a group where that happened. Uh, I've seen that happen with a lot of different groups. That's the common story. So if you haven't reached that with your group and you're kind of going, man, I wish we could get there, do it. Open the door. It's on you. Uh, and it will be a gift to your group if you do. So an open door. The second essential is an open schedule. Here I'm talking about commitment and availability. Okay. Of course, the idea is that you meet once a week and that you kind of gather and have this sort of schedule worked out. But uh, I think that it's actually important to take a step further than that, to be available to each other throughout the week, to be open and available to each other. Um, Side-by-side relationships, when we match volunteers with these families, they work best when the family knows that they can count on the volunteers. When the family knows that every Tuesday afternoon, these two college students are going to come and take their kids away to the zoo or to ice cream or whatever, a family knows that they can rest, they can get some errands done, they know their kids are going to have fun. That consistency, it's one of the only consistent things that these families have in their life. And it makes a huge, huge world of difference that our volunteers are consistent and available. And in the same way, it's important for you guys. So the question is, do you have an open schedule for the people in your group? Are you committed to being available to them if they need you? I know that you might not have chosen these people to be in a group with, but your availability to one another is going to be a powerful reminder of God's availability to you. We want to believe that God's available for us whenever we need him, right? Well, one of the ways that we're reminded of that is by practicing availability with one another. So if someone in your group needs to talk, or if they need a ride, or if they've had a long night of making less than great decisions and they need someone to get them back on their feet. Do people in your group know that they can count on you when they need you? Of course, when it comes to availability, there's always a yes and a no, right? So to say yes to the people in your core group, it probably means that you're going to have to say no to something else. It might mean that you say no to spending so much time hanging out on your couch playing video games. It might be that you need to say, no, I need to rearrange my work schedule so I can have some time to be with these people. It might be that, excuse me, it might be that you have to cancel plans with a hundred acquaintances so that you can really invest in a small group of close friends. Whatever it is, for these relationships to be real, you have to make them a priority. You have to prioritize one another with commitment. So two things so far, an open door, an open schedule. The third essential for these real relationships are open ears. See what I'm doing here with this open business? I thought of that. Thanks. <laughs> uh, one of the things, when we interview volunteers who want to spend time with families, uh, these families that have kids that are sick, one of the first questions that people always ask us is, what do I say to a family who's dealing with this really hard circumstance of having a kid with cancer? Because we all want to be that person, right, who has the right thing to say. We all want to be the person who can say those words that bring healing and health and inspiration and make people cry and make people laugh. We all want to be that person. But what we tell volunteers over and over again is that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We've been invited to listen at least twice as much as we speak. And the families that we serve have crazy stories about things that they have been told things that people have said to them that they'd offered up as helpful advice or support. All of the dumb Christian cliches that I'm sure you've all heard about, God doesn't give us more than we can handle, and you know, I'm sure God has a purpose and a plan for you, and all of those things that just fall on deaf ears, frankly, for a family whose kid is sick. Or, even worse, they try to kind of say something that will make a connection. So no joke, I've had a family tell me that someone came to them and said, 
oh yeah, your kid has cancer. My neighbor's dog had cancer last year, so I totally know what you're going through. That's not the same, people. I'm just going to say, that's not the same. And it's laughable that, that that's the kind of stuff that happens. But we've all been there. The thing is that we've all been there. We've all been in that space where you share something vulnerable or you share something deep or real, and you're wanting someone to receive it and to help you feel known and supported. Uh, and the response is less than helpful. Does anyone remember that? Saturday Night Live character Penelope, played by Kristen Wiig, who's like always turning it back to herself. And it's like, oh, I'm really struggling with something. And she's like, oh, yeah, I struggle with that too. But it's like, I struggle a little bit more than you do. So it's funny because we all know her or him, right? Or there's people that um, Brene Brown describes as the at least people. People who are always trying to rush you to the silver lining of your sadness, right? Like, oh, I'm failing half my classes. Well, at least you have a C in art, so that's good. (laughs) Or like, oh, my girlfriend might dump me. And oh, well, at least you have a girlfriend. (laughs) Okay. Or my mom is really sick. Well, at least your dad's healthy, you know. (laughs) These things are not that helpful. But all of us, I think all of us, if we're honest, we're compelled to say something. We're compelled to fill those difficult, vulnerable, empty spaces with more words. And it's like word vomit. Uh, I want you all in your core groups at some point to take the open ears challenge. And here's what that looks like. If someone in your core group is sharing something hard and something real and something vulnerable, you should listen. And then you should listen a little bit more. And then maybe you should ask a question and then listen a whole bunch more. And then when you finally got to that point where you're like, oh man, I don't know if I can listen to one more word, you should keep listening. And you'll be amazed by what happens. Because when we stop listening and when we start talking, do you know what we're often doing? We're often squeezing the Holy Spirit right out of that conversation because we feel like that space needs to be filled. The truth is, is that that space needs to be filled by truth of the Holy Spirit. And if all we're doing is talk, 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 there's not there's not room for us to arrive at that space. So listening, two ears, one mouth, listening. The fourth and final essential on the list for real relationships is open eyes. If you want to cultivate these real relationships in your core group, relationships that point back to Jesus, you have got to have your eyes wide open. This is about honesty. This is about seeing things for how they really are and being willing to speak truth into a circumstance as you really see it. Speaking a bold word of truth is what, is what uh, having open eyes is about. And you might be thinking, wait a second, you were just telling us that we're supposed to listen, and now you're telling us to speak these bold words of truth. I don't totally understand. Well, I agree with what I say. We all need to listen. And I think it's that practice of listening that sort of paves the way for us to then be able to speak a bold word of truth. And keep listening, because I think you might be surprised by what this truth sounds like. Um, When someone in your group shares something vulnerable, we often think of, you know, like I said, all these things that you want to say, these solutions to things, or maybe you should try fixing it like this, or, oh, you know, don't worry about it, I'm sure it's all going to be fine, and you try to paint this glorious picture of, of what's to come. But I would say before we open our mouths with all of this feedback, what we really need to do is open our eyes to the situation and say, are the things that I'm wanting to say, are they true? What is true about the situation that's unfolding in front of me of this, that this person is sharing about? Because let's be honest. If someone opens up in your core group and says, I'm failing all of my classes, every single one, or if they say, I can't stop looking at pornography, 
or if they say, I've been cutting myself. We can't just say everything's going to be fine. We don't know that. We can't just say, if you pray about it, it will go away. Because that's not necessarily true. So our job is to open our eyes and look for what is true. When our side-by-side volunteers ask us how they're supposed to respond to families when families unload their difficult cancer story, the truth is there's very few things, very few true things that can be said because we don't know if a kid is going to get better or not. We don't know how that family is going to pull it together and pay those medical bills. We don't know the mind of God. We don't know why bad things happen to good people. We don't know what God's plan is. That's not ours to explain. So what do we say that's true to the brother or to the sister who is struggling? That sounds so hard. I don't know what to say. I'm so honored that you shared your story with me. You're not alone. I'm with you in this. Those are true words. Those are words that point us to the best truth of all, right? It's words like that that remind us when we are suffering that Jesus is not looking down at us from on high saying, well, if you just get your act together and figure out my plan for you. No. When we're struggling with life's heaviest load, Jesus is mourning with us. He's embracing us. He's saying, I know this is so hard, but thank you for sharing with me. I'm with you, always. And that's what we get to share with each other when our eyes are open to what is true. We might not be fixing each other's problems, but we're recognizing the truth of the context, that we're held in the hands of God, a God who knows us and a God who loves us. Those four things, open doors, open schedules, open ears, and open eyes. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's also not rocket science, okay? You guys can have this. This is available to you. You can have this life-giving, transformational, real relationships with people in your group, relationships that bring healing and hope, relationships that remind you that no matter how difficult your journey might be, you never have to walk it by yourself. It's yours. You can be each other's heroes. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, the load is heavy. We all have it. We all have these these things eating us away at the inside. And yet, you've brought us into community. You've introduced us to relationship. And Lord, I think of all of the unbelievable ways that you have brought people to this room tonight. All of the random roads that have led people to the inn, that have led people to a group. Lord, we know you're present with us. We know that you are orchestrating our lives, that you're loving us, that you're caring for us, and that you're drawing us closer to you. And we know that even when life feels awfully lonely, even when you feel like you are nowhere in sight, the truth is, is here you are, sitting next to us at a table, 
Here you are sending us a text on the day of our big test. Here you are with a shoulder to cry on, with a joke to laugh about, or with the perfect um, word of encouragement. Thank you for uh, giving us this gift of one another. And we pray that we would be people that seek unity with one another, that we might bring honor and glory to your name. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, you guys. I'm told that there's actually time for you to talk about all of the cool things I've just told you. So here's what I want you to talk about. As you think about where your group has come from when you first started meeting to today, and as you think of where your group is going, what I want you to talk about around your tables is how are you doing with those four things? Open ears, open eyes, open schedules, open doors. Uh, Where have you felt like you've been successful? And then as you think about where you're headed, what are some of the things that you're excited to cultivate with each other, that you're excited to do more of or do better? Okay, those are the questions. Where have you come from? What have you done well? And what are you hoping to do better? Discuss. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us tonight here at the Core Group Dessert. A couple of things before you go. Uh, First off, uh, if you'd like one of the Lent study guides uh, produced by the small group ministry here at UPC, again, they're at the table at the back door there. Please feel free to pick up the study guide and the companion DVD on the way out. Um, and before you go, I, I want you to, to know this one thing, that in university ministries, what we have in this room is the, is the better part of, of more than 50 core groups, or I'm sorry, more than 90 core groups with over 450 people in those core groups. Okay, that's, a, that's pretty amazing. And so remember, as your group meets that you are a part of something that God is doing that's, that's so much bigger than just your group. Uh, but your group is an important part of, of what God is doing. Uh, and, and with that in mind, I want to encourage you to, to take what we've heard tonight back to your core groups, for, perhaps to, uh, for those and to those who are not here. Continue to ask these questions that JJ asked. How are you doing with these things? Um, how are you doing in keeping things open, keeping an open door, an open schedule, and uh, open ears, uh, and open eyes? Uh, continue to evaluate and, and encourage each other uh, as you do that. We're so grateful for your presence here tonight. We, uh, again, we know that you are busy, and so taking an hour and a half uh, additionally out of your schedule is a big deal, and we're so thankful uh, that you would do that. So, uh, as we get ready to leave, I, I, I can't um, give up the microphone without drawing attention to my colleague, Janie, who put this whole thing together. Okay. Um, and 
With so many things with university ministries, if it's actually done well, it usually meant that Janie had something to do with it. So all the things that were done well tonight are because of Janie's leadership, um, assisted by several volunteers and a wonderful kitchen staff, uh, to, be, uh, to be sure. Okay, um, why don't you stand and receive a blessing, a familiar blessing from Hebrews as we get ready to head out from this place. And it's also uh, convenient that after I give you this blessing, um, if you want to help out the interns and the staff, uh, you can begin to stack your chairs in twos and threes, okay? Now receive this blessing uh, from, from Hebrews that we might hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Friends, may we go from this place committed to each other, to listen to each other, and be each other's hero uh, as we uh, grow as groups. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.